You're listening to a message from Stonegate Church. For more information about Stonegate and additional audio resources, please visit Stonegate.Church. It's good to see you guys. I am not Rodney. I don't know if that was super clear or not when I walked out. Uh, so we're going to be walking through and continuing the book of Philippians. And uh, to you mothers out there, happy post-Mother's Day. I hope that you still feel loved by your family and friends that just didn't stop after last Sunday. Uh, I love my wife a lot. And uh, what we usually do is we kind of do the Mother's Day thing like either a day earlier or a day later. Um, and so that usually is involved with the Monday. That's all of our Sabbath, you know, for the staff. Like we do, a, you know, we go grocery shopping. It's romantic, uh, you know, really great. Uh, and ha- me going to the grocery store with my wife is, is a struggle, like it's real. Uh, because what, what I usually do is I'm like, look at that. I want that. She's like, we have a budget. Uh, let's stick to that. Uh, and, and so usually we kind of get down to the aisle where, you know, we, we get to the drinks. And so I, I see, you know, just take friends like Coca-Cola and I'm like, Hey, let's get the Coca-Cola. She's like, uh-uh, there's Kroger brand cola right there. <laughs> and, and I'm like, but why can't we get the real cola? Uh, because it's the same thing. It's the same thing. And so uh, it, it's not really worth the cost in her mind to get the real thing because the fake thing is the same thing. Now that doesn't apply to everything, right? Heinz ketchup, you better not, you better not go, go low on, on the Heinz ketchup. You gotta get the real stuff on that. But some things are worth the cost and some things aren't, right? Uh, and, and, and so my, my fear though with, with Christianity is that, that sometimes uh, there's the bucket of like people that are walking with the Lord and then there are those over here that, that are not walking with the Lord and they're looking at Christianity and they're going, that's the same thing. They complain just like us. They divorce rate. I mean, you, you can go on and on and on and it's like, why would I even think about costing something to go towards that when I can get the same thing over here. And this is what Paul is gonna be looking at as we get into Philippians chapter two, verse 14, because he's gonna start off going, do not grumble or dispute. And, and the thing is, Christians struggle with this. Don't we? I struggle with this. We, we get into this pattern of thinking that, that whatever we see, we, we, we think that we can just kind of like grumble and, and dispute and complain about it. And, and that's not what the Lord has called us to. Uh, and the, in this day and age, we, we live in a day and age where, where we think um, it's good enough just to send something. Whether it's a text, whether it's a Facebook status, a tweet, people sending our love, sending prayers. And, and those things are good. It's not, it's not where it's less than that that God has called us to, but he, I think he's called us to something more than just sending something when we, when we have an issue, right? So, so something bothers us, we, we decide that we're gonna stake our claim uh, by posting some Facebook status or Instagram posts, and then we kind of walk off as if like things are good with still kind of a messed up heart. And we're still grumbling through that, disputing through that. And, and, and so 
This is, this is kind of what's, what we're tracking with so far of Philippians, right? So, so starting in the beginning in Philippians chapter one, you have Paul that's praying for the Philippian church to think and feel towards God, right? So you, you get in verse nine that your love may abound more and more with knowledge, right, of him. Then he moves on and he actually goes, so, so I want you to have a sincere growing love where you're enjoying Jesus. But, but if you don't, so say if you don't have that sincere love, there's some that do and some that don't, regardless of the fact that gospel will be advanced. If I die or if I'm alive, the gospel will be advanced. So there's this gospel that regardless of whether I'm bound or not, the gospel is not bound and it moves on. And that's the perspective that Paul has. And then he moves forward and he goes, this gospel that we have, we actually need to be living in a manner worthy of that gospel. And that is actually where we are striving side by side for the gospel. It's not, it's not really a me thing, but it's a we thing. And that's how you live in a manner worthy of the gospel. So he moves from there, goes, live in a manner worthy of the gospel. That's standing firm. You stand firm by actually humbling yourself, getting into chapter two. And then you humble yourself by patterning your life after Jesus. Okay. Then we get into chapter two, verse 12. And then he says, I'm not only going to show you that you should be humble. You should humble yourself, but I'm actually going to teach you how. And that's you working out your salvation with fear and trembling, knowing that the Lord is working on your behalf with his good pleasure for you. So we get to verse 14. And so he's going to say, yes, pursue humility because that brings unity. But then he's actually going to move into now the why. Like, why should we pursue unity through humility? And, and, and the thing that we have to figure out is that, so getting back into verse 14, it says, do all things without grumbling or disputing. Uh, and, and the reason that we need to pursue unity through humility is wrapped up in one word. That is remember. Remember. And the thing about grumbling and disputing, uh, it, it's not so much that we're like lying or, do, or you know, it's, people kind of think like, what, what are we talking about when we talk about grumbling and disputing? Grumbling and disputing is really where you're, you're taking truth and you're just mishandling it. So, so when you look at the word, uh, first, first you, you go to, to, to the Greek of, of, of the beginning of this, where it says, do all things. And sometimes our life translation goes, uh, do some of these things, right? That's, that's the Tony Robinson translation, like life. We just go through and say, uh, well, not this thing over here. Because have you seen that girl? Like, she is so frustrating. Like, I can't deal with her. So not that thing. I'm going to still grumble about that. But this over here, Jesus, you got that. You got that. So we start to translate, doing our live translation on, on, we read this and we go, let's do some of those things, okay? And, and when we look at grumbling, it, this is the word that, that is actually hinting at uh, the cooing of doves. I know nothing about cooing of doves. Uh, so, but, but this is where, um, when, when you are grumbling, this is where you're, like when, when a dove feels threatened, that's when it starts to coo. I found this, I don't do dove hunting at all. I have no idea. I'm not, I'm a... I like air conditioning. I don't go outside and camp. But, but I, like, I, I, so this is what it's talking about though. And this is referencing, again, it's not lying when you grumble. It's just speaking truth with deception. 
It is you saying, I, I feel a certain way and rather than sharing that truth up front with someone, I'm just gonna grumble on my behalf and amongst people that I associate with. And not actually dealing with the issue with the person that's in front of you. So, so you're just taking this truth, I feel a certain way, I see this thing, and rather than confronting and leaning into that tension, you, you become fake. So it's like, you get, you get mistreated you go up to this person, you go, oh, I love you. You my boo. We all good. And in, re- in reality, you're speaking a different kind of truth somewhere else. And this is, this is not just a, a 2018 issue. The Israelites had this down pat when it's talking about grumbling. So you have five times in Exodus and Numbers where the Israelites were grumbling whenever Moses was leading them to the promised land. Right? So, so part of that, so, I mean, it's, this is us. And, and, and the thing about grumbling is that, so what we do is we start to not only um, speak the truth with deception, but we start getting into the disputing thing. And that's what, that's what the Israelites did. Because disputing is, is really just your, your, uh, you're actually creating doubt in your mind and in your heart. And you, rather than speaking the truth with deception, you assume the truth with distortion. So, so both of these are just a mishandling of truth. You, you, you are speaking truth with deception and then you're going, to, you're going to disputing and disputing is just where you're assuming some type of truth, but it's distorted. And, and the Israelites did this, you'll see this, and actually Exodus chapter 14, and let me just read y'all just, a, just a, a tidbit of what the Israelites were doing. And the whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the people of Israel said to them, would that, would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt. When we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full, for you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Do you see what's happening? The Israelites start grumbling against Moses and Aaron and, and they, they get the, this, this distorted view that their, their enslavement was like where they were eating meat pots full of food. Where, 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 they, where they were eating all this bread. I'm like, you weren't eating all that bread. You were serving the bread. What, what, like, how did, how did you get this idea that life was good whenever you were enslaved? And, that, and that's, what we get, that's what we as Christians do. We, we get to a spot where we assume some type of truth and we distort the reality that we were in. And this happens, so, so let's get back to, to, to Mother's Day, right? Went with my boo, my wife. Uh, went with my boo to, uh, to this Mexican you know, restaurants. This is a little Tex-Mex. I won't say the name because that, that wouldn't be right. So we went to this whole thing and this is like our reality. Our reality is, our truth is, if, if, a, if a Tex-Mex place doesn't have good queso, it ain't worth your time. <laughs> hey, thank, amen. Thank you. Yes. So we get there and we, I'm like, I love you, boo. You, you good mom. Love you. The queso come up. Yes, one queso, please. Order the queso, comes out. And so there's like good queso, like Torchy's queso. And then there's the queso where it looks like they just took like a, a can of the nacho dip and just plopped it into a cup. That was this place. So, so this, this, th- that reality where, we're, where we're, we're assuming this truth 
bad queso, bad restaurant, and that changes and distorts the rest of our reality of our experience. We are assuming and expecting and looking for the bad in this restaurant, regardless of what comes next. We are distorting reality and looking for the things. And, and like, the reality of this is, it, y'all all know this, it's just hurt people hurt people. And, and, and when, when we begin to be hurt, we have a lens that we put on that is not the lens of looking through with Christ's lens. So my wife and I were hurt by bad queso. And that changed everything for us, right? We begin to grumble and dispute and doubt on our behalf. Mishandling a truth and doing something that we were never intended to do with it. We're never called to do. So rather than that, I would, I would ask you, I would exhort you to handle the truth wisely, biblically. Rather than speaking truth with deception, I would encourage you to speak the truth with humility and courage. Where you lean into the tension whenever, whenever something's not right in your heart or whenever you see something that's, that, that, that bothers you, you lean into that tension rather than grumbling against another brother or sister in Christ. Rather than assuming truth with distortion, I would encourage you to seek truth with humility and grace. Seek the truth. Uh, and one, of, one of my favorite quotes actually um, is a quote from Stephen Lee, and he wrote an article under, from Desiring God, and he says this, grumbling, whining, and thankfulness is not ultimately the heart's response to circumstances, but to God. Let me read that again. Grumbling, whining, and thankfulness is not ultimately the heart's response to circumstances, but it's a response to God. So, so any time that we are grumbling on our behalf or disputing with brothers and sisters in Christ, it is actually showing and, and giving us a reality of how we have a relationship with the Lord. If you, it shows us how we are enjoying Jesus. Okay? And so Paul's gonna spend the rest of this, of this passage actually explaining how we combat this culture of complaining. And we do this by remembering a few things. So he's gonna, he's gonna like pop off four things that he says, if, if you don't wanna go into this culture as, as Christianity where we're just grumbling and complaining, uh, there's a way to combat that. And that's by remembering a few things. And so let's move a little forward and we'll see what those are. The first is we have to remember who we are. So the reason why we grumble and dispute is because it's an identity issue. Do all things without grumbling or disputing that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish. Children of God. I I, I think sometimes we read this passage and we see children of God and we just kind of like pass by it. (laughs) And, and, and we, we sort of forget the reality that, that one, we, we were once enemies, children of wrath against God, and then God, bought through the death and resurrection of Jesus, declared us righteous, declared us children of him. 
And so that, that dictates, when you understand that you are a child of God, and not just you are a child of God, but you are amongst children of God, that dictates how you talk. And, and, then, you, and then you start getting into the prayers of the psalmist where he says, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you, oh God. May everything that comes out of my mouth, may, may all of the, the things that are going on inside of my heart, may, may they be pleasing to you because you are my dad. Because you love me. And so, so when we get into this, this, this reality over here where we start to grumble amongst our brothers and sisters in Christ, it is because we have a wrong view of who we are in Christ. We, we have forgotten who we are. We've forgotten that we're actually supposed to, to build one another up in Christ, not tear one another down, not, not divide. And again, this is all in the reality of which we'll get to, that when, when, when people see Christianity and people see Christians in the local churches divided, they are watching. They're watching. Uh, and and we, see, we see a lot more of the tearing down and dividing more than we do building up. So, so we, have, we have a responsibility amongst, amongst believers to do that. And then we also have a responsibility um, to, to encourage and build up the, 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 the people that are not within the fold. So, so, so if, we, if we are in Christ, we are children of God. For people that are outside of Christ, they, they are all still image bearers, right? They, they've been created in the image of God. And so we have a responsibility to go, you know what? Like the, the, the way that you were respond, or the way that you were really intricate and delicate with those details and the way that you handled that, you know that God put that in you? You know that God instilled that in you? And we start to not only build up our brothers and sisters in Christ, but we start to say, okay, everyone is an image bearer. Let's declare and recognize the image of God in people, even if they're lost. Even if they're lost. And, and, and the thing about this, though, is that the, 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 the difficulty, when we get into this jaded view uh, of where we, don't, where we forget who we are in Christ and we start to grumble on our behalf, we start to grumble and dispute with other believers in Christ, what we're really doing is having a, like a self-centered, prideful focus where, where, we, where we go, I'm killing it. Like, God, lived me, God asked me to, to live in a manner worthy of the gospel. I'm doing it. Everybody catch up, get on my level. And, and when, you, when you actually get back to Philippians chapter one, verse 27, again, it is live in a manner worthy of the gospel by standing firm side by side with other believers. So it's not get on my level. It is let's go together. Let's, let's walk, like, let, 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 me, let me get back. Let me stoop. Like Jesus stooping to our level to rescue us. You as, your responsibility as a brother and sister in Christ is actually to go back, link arms, and say, let's go. Let's walk closer to Christ together. So, so let me ask you a question. And this is like, when I think about this, it just, it just hits me right in the gut. Uh, 
and this, and this is hard to get by yourself. You probably have to ask people that know your heart. Uh, but the question that I'm asking myself right now is do people around you feel encouraged? Are, are you more a dripping faucet or a refreshing fountain of water to people? Like what, what, what are you known for? What is your reputation amongst the body of Christ? And, and, and this for me was just really difficult. There's a, there's a quote actually that I want to read y'all. Um, it's from a book called Practicing Affirmation. And uh, man, this is, this is good. General rule. People are more willing to listen to us when they have experienced the refreshment of affirmation from us. And understand that our dripping corrections, complaints, criticisms, and suggestions for improvement can feel torturous, as torturous as to others as Chinese water torture. Consistently commending the commendable helps us be refreshing fountains and not dripping faucets. So are you known as someone that is a refreshing fountain that sometimes drips, sometimes puts corrections, sometimes, sometimes has things that's going on in your heart and you, you kind of explain that? Or are you the type of person that is always a dripping faucet and always correcting, always grumbling? What, what type of person are you known for? I, th- I think that's what Paul is, is getting at. And, and, and when you read about, um, even Barnabas, you read in, in, in Acts chapter four, uh, it says, then Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. So Barnabas was known as a son of encouragement. He was a type of guy that was a refreshing fountain of water to the people around him. So the question that I ask you saints, what are you known for? A grumbling brother or sister? Or is it dripping faucet in our body? And this again all goes back to understanding who you are as a child of God. And then he moves forward. He says, do all things without grumbling or disputing that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish. And the next thing, in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. So you not only have to remember who you are, but you have to remember where you are. So this is an awareness issue. And and when I look back at the gospels, Jesus was the type of guy where he was hanging with his bros, like he had his crew, but where was his crew? Seated at the table with tax collectors and sinners. Who, Who was in the crew amongst the 12? Judas. Who who were the people around Jesus that he loved, that he preached to, that he beloved, the people that sent him to the cross? And we we have to remember and realize that, that as children of God, we have a call to be united together because there are people that are watching. We need to be living proof of a loving God to a watching world. We we need to have an understanding that 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 we are in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. So crooked, when you, when you think of this, this is a, what it means is to turn away from or suppress the truth. Twisted goes with the idea of distorting truth 
right? So, so you get this idea clearly in Romans chapter one. It says, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. And then you get to the distortion. Verse 22, claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up to, in their lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves because they exchange the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the, crea- crea- uh, the creature rather than the creator who blessed forever, amen. So we live in a world that suppresses truth and twists it. And when I, when I look at, when I think about that reality, that's frustrating. That's frustrating to think that we live in a world as, as believers where, where even if we kind of proclaim this truth of Jesus, they will find a way to either suppress it or twist it. And, the, and then we look at things like, like what happened uh, this past week in Santa Fe with the shooting and we go, that's, that is crooked and twisted truth. That is so frustrating that we live in a world um, so deflating to live in a type of world where this thing keeps happening. Uh, So if y'all don't believe that we live in that type of world, we're in it. And you can see it. Um, and, and it brings frustration. And, and, and my prayer for us saints is that it doesn't leave us in this place of frustration, but it actually leads us to a place of humility where we realize that, that we were once that. That we were once enemies of him. We were once children of wrath. We, we, we were once the people that suppressed the truth and twisted it for our own gain. And God saved us from that. Not our own doing, not our own will. God saved us from the same depravity that we see now in the world. So may that humble you, saints. May may that compel you, saints, to not just live in a world of your own comfort, but to actually engage the darkness to take risk to where you're not creating a life of comfort for yourself and just pursuing the American dream, but actually risking your life for the sake of the advancement of the gospel. And that's remembering and understanding where you are. That's remembering and understanding how you've been saved and what you were saved from. That, that's how we start to, to get, get away from the grumbling and the complaining because there's a lot to grumble and complain about on Facebook whenever we see a Santa Fe thing happening. Okay? There's more to do than just to press send on a Facebook status. The Lord has called us to more, to that, more than that. Okay? So we move on and we go to do all things without grumbling or disputing that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. So how do you combat a culture of disputing and complaining? First, you remember who you are. You're a child of God. Next, you remember where you are in the midst of a crooked 
and twisted generation, then you have to remember why you've been saved. Why have you been saved? To shine as lights in this dark world. And, 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 the, and the word lights is not talking about uh, just kind of, hey, there's a light. Uh, but, but it's more talking about a luminary, a star, something that, has, that is placed where it is for the purpose of bringing light to darkness. So, so we are called saints not to show ourselves off through this. That, don't, think, don't read that and think, okay, I need to like just, just show off and like try to do all these things so that people can see me. Uh, more, more so you need to be thinking, how can I show him off, Jesus? The light that he's given me, this little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. That, you want that, okay? So, so, so it's not about showing off your good deeds and the awesome things that you do, but how he is working in your midst for his good pleasure so that you look more like Jesus. So that when people see you, they go, that's Jesus. I want, I want some of that. Shine as lights in the world so that you can say what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 12, for our boast is in this, the testimony of our conscience that we behaved in the world with simplicity and godly sincerity, not by earthly wisdom, but by the grace of God, supremely so toward you. We are, we are shining as lights in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation so that we can say, Jesus paid it all. Jesus is my all. Jesus is who I enjoy. Jesus is who gave me this light that allows me to shine. And, and I just want to encourage you, friends, that, that, that we, whenever we, you know, you know what's like worse than being lost? It's, it's not knowing that you're lost. Be, being blindly lost. Because you, you know what happens when, we, when we, begin, we become blindly lost? We start to lose purpose. We start to lose hope. And we actually start to lose our neediness for him. Okay? When you're lost, you, you feel like you need something, right? When you are blindly lost, you have no idea. And, and you begin to, to lose your neediness. And, and, and let, me, let me say to you, saints and, and, and friends, we're, we're not talking about, hey, like, people that don't know Jesus, you, you need to know that you need him. I'm talking about saints, not realizing and forgetting your, if you forget your purpose, you start to forget the fact that you still need the gospel today. That you still need Jesus to sustain you through your day. So the question that I ask you is, do you feel like you need the gospel, Christians? Today, now, in this very moment, do you feel like you need the gospel? Because as you read, as you move a little forward into verse 16, look at this. Verse 16. So you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life. Holding fast to the word of life. So this is you saying, you, you are engaging the darkness, not creating a reality of comfort. You re, you're engaging darkness. And then as you are engaging darkness, you realize this is hard. 
like to, to keep the light on, it gets hard. And the only way that you can keep engaging that darkness and keep coming back to it is by you holding fast, gripping your hands on the word of life. And, I, and as I read this, I, I begin to ask questions to myself of like, if, the, if that is true, Paul, if what you're saying is true, why are we still living as if we don't need the gospel? Why are we still living as if we don't need to hold fast to the word of life? And I think the question goes back to you forgot why. You forgot why you were saved. You forgot why you are a Christian. It's to enjoy Jesus and bring others along with you side by side. That's it. That's it. And then when you lose sight of that and just start creating comfort, you don't need much. You don't need much to get a lot of money. You don't need much to, to, to have like a, a really nice family and to, to make sure that they're protected and, and cared for and to make sure that you're like just tracking. You can do all that by yourself. You don't really need a miracle from God to allow your light to shine in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. Uh, so, so, so friends, I encourage you to have this mentality where, where we where we begin to remember why we've been saved, why we've been called children of God so that we cannot be blindly lost. And, and what happens, this is like, this is kind of what happens. Uh, so, so my son, I have a two-year-old son. His name is Kai. He loves to dance and loves his two-month-old little brother too much like a little too much. And so, so, so what happens though is, is he just, sometimes he just doesn't know what's going on in his little body, but he wants to express it. And so, uh, so Kai is my, my oldest, Jojo. He calls him Jojo, Jojo. That's what, usually what he says. And he loves Jojo and he'll go, Jojo. And he'll come down to a little, little bouncy thing and he'll just smack his head, ooh, smack his head into Jojo. And he's like, love you, Jojo, smack. And I'm like, son, that's not okay. I don't think you understand how love works, how you're supposed to treat someone that you love. And here's the deal. Here's what happens as believers. We say that we love our brothers and sisters in Christ, but for some reason, we have no idea how to love our brothers and sisters in Christ. Like the way that we do it ends up being tearing down and dividing our church. But we say we love our, our church. And so what, what does it take for, for us to kind of like, what does it take for my son Kai to figure out that he shouldn't beat his head against his little brother? Um, it takes a father lovingly coming behind him going, son, I love you. I know you love Jojo. Here's how you love. Here's, here's why you love him the way that you're supposed to love him. And, and for us Christians, for us saints, we need to get into this mentality of going to back to our father. If we love our church, we need to be reminded of why, why, we've been called Christian, why we've been called child of God, and to cuddle up to our Father 
And then he goes, I love you. I, I sent my son to die for you. Now go love the bride. Go love my bride and do it this way. Uh, so, so my encouragement for you all is, uh, is to remember why you've been saved. That's a purpose issue of why we continue to grumble and complain. And the last thing, so how to combat complaining and disputing. We got who we are. Remember who you are. Remember where you are. Remember why you've been saved. And then he's going to finish off. He says, so that in the day of Christ, I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. In order for you to get into a position where you understand that you shouldn't grumble and complain, you have to remember what has and is to come, and that's Jesus. If you want, if you want to see Paul's, how he's tracking with that whole idea, go back to the beginning of Philippians chapter 2, and what is he doing there? He is explaining what has and what is to come. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself becoming, by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus... Every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confessed that Christ is Lord. Thank you, Jesus. This is why we don't grumble and complain because we understand that he is coming back for us and he is going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done, my son. Well done, my daughter. You ran the race well. So fight for unity. Humble yourself and fight for my bride because I'm coming back for her. Humble yourself because you know what I did for you? I humbled myself even to the point of death on a cross. So humble yourself. Realize that, that he has come before and he's going ahead of you. Realize that not only do you have Jesus that has come before and he is coming again, but you have the body of Christ around you. You have people that are family so that when you, when you engage darkness and you see, man, that just is frustrating, that, that's deflating, that hurts, you can go back to a community, a group of people, and they can see the heart behind the words when you do grumble. You, you, can, you can find a place, so this says, Stonegate Groups Director, right here, join a group. <laughs> Be a part of a community around a people where you can go, these are a body of believers where if I do have something wrestling into my heart, I can still just say words and they can admonish me, but then also see that there's heart. They know my heart. I am known behind those words. So, so you engage community. If you need help, I'll help you. I'll help you find community, a group of people that 
You can love and you can be known in. So engage them. Be 100, not 99% known because 99% known and 1% unknown is still unknown. Be 100% known and engage with your community. And, and here's the deal, not only engage like and just kind of like vent to the people that, that, that know your heart, but, but I would encourage you to vent and talk to your father. You know why? Who knows your heart better than Jesus? Where the words that you're speaking, you have the Holy Spirit that's grumbling on your behalf even when you don't have the words to say. You're frustrated, you're angry, go back to Psalm 13 and what David does is he's like, how long, O Lord, will you forget me? My, My enemies are winning, I'm frustrated by this darkness as I engage, I'm frustrated, I'm, hurt. I'm struggling. And he goes from there and the Lord shepherds him back to trusting him. Uh, so I would encourage you to realize that you have um, Jesus who's come before, he's coming again and he died for his bride and you have a local church and amongst the believers that you can say, I'm needy, I'm hurting, please help me. And uh, the thing I, I wanna encourage us with as I finish is um, I, I want us to just get into the, our minds is that, that by and large Christians are not doing well when it comes to complaining and grumbling. We are, we are filing complaints while forgetting God's grace. That's what we're doing. And uh, I would just encourage you, verse, to finish out this passage, 17 and 18. It says that even if I am being poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you 